Rise and Shine Pinchers, welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Alrighty, so to start off today's episode, I want you guys to imagine how stressful it is starting a new job. I know I just went through it. I know a lot of you guys have just gone through it. Um, think about like all the new people you have to get used to, all the new spaces, the new culture. Now imagine having to do that eight times during your first two years fresh out of school, okay? So that is what my guest today did. Dr. Avi is here to share with us his journey, and you guys know I'm very protective of my space, okay? I don't want a lot of boys on this show, um, but I knew that my ladies, my gals, needed to hear from him. We have a great male specimen here with us today with Dr. Avi, and we actually do have some guy listeners. We love you guys that do listen. Dr. Avi is awesome. He's a dentist that went on to become a consultant and advisor for clear aligner cases so for those of you guys not in the dental space think of things like Invisalign okay he's a pioneer in what I consider to be you know the modern day movement of just making dentistry and healthcare better you guys so something in healthcare is brewing something in healthcare and changing and it starts with people like him so even if you're not in the dental field his story is so inspirational and his wisdom is applicable to pretty much any new young professionals out there if you want to be the change that you want to see in the world you know whether you're a dentist a pharmacist a nurse PA doctor the list goes on and on. I think you guys can learn a lot from him and his journey and his never give up mentality. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And without further ado, hit it, editing Connie. Alrighty, Avi. So the first thing I wanted to chat about was this kind of blew my mind. I saw this in like one of your most recent videos. You said how in your first two years, of working as a dentist before moving to Austin, Texas, where you are now, you bounced between like eight practices as an associate, right? Yeah. So first two years out of school, I, yeah, I had eight different associateships. So, you know, some of them were, I guess, I guess to kind of frame it, like I went into every opportunity, like wanting to learn. I didn't really care that much about the pay. I just wanted to make sure that like it was fair. Um, but I went into every single opportunity just wanting to learn. And like the first one, um, and again, I made like a whole YouTube series on all of these, but I kind of give high level just, uh, just so, you know, everyone can kind of get an idea. But like the first one, uh, was part-time. And so that was helpful because I didn't have to like put all my eggs in one basket. And I, in my advice to new grads coming out is like, don't be so eager to jump into a full-time job. Because if you do, um, like I said, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So like, let's say for whatever reason, something is not jiving at that practice and it like cannot be fixed. You are going to be in a position where if you want to leave, you are essentially going to be unemployed for a certain period mm. of time, right? Where it's like, if, you, if you're working two days somewhere, working three days somewhere, you get a feel, you also get good perspective, right? So you can kind of see like, oh, this office does things this way. This office, you know, this other office does it this way. So it's really, really good early on. My opinion is to be part-time in multiple offices. Um, and surprisingly, it's kind of normal because uh, some of my friends were doing uh, simple, uh, similar stuff. O others were also like, I mean, they were just going full-time. Mm -hmm. But I feel like early on, I'm actually grateful for it because in the beginning with that first job that I had, it was part-time. They ended up letting me go after three months um, because they weren't busy enough and they did it over the phone and basically oh. we're just like, yeah, don't come back. We're, we don't need you anymore. We're not busy. Oh my and God. Like, How did that yeah. feel oh, that when point. you got that call? Were you like, uh, was it something I did? 
Yeah, so I was just like, yeah, what? and they were just like, yeah, like it's not gonna, like it's not, they're basically like it's not gonna work. Like they don't, they they were they weren't trying to blame me. Like they weren't like, oh, you suck or anything. So that was nice. They were more so like, you know, just we're not busy enough for two doctors. Um, so that, but yeah, it sucked. I, I, honestly, I was at my, I had just started working part time at another office, mm. so I was actually like in between patients at my other job when I found out that I got let go from the original job and I was just like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> oh my God. That's um, wild though. Because don't you feel like we were sold this dream of becoming a dentist that it's like stable and like you just like graduate from school and then you're like making the big bucks and then like the rest is history. Nobody talks about <laughs> this. Nobody talks about the first two to three years. And what, what annoys yeah. me or what frustrates me is like, that expectation is not really set and it's like mm -hmm. kind of just briefly mentioned and skimmed over and then everyone talks about like you know how amazing it is to be a practice owner and all that stuff but i'm with you that that dental dream it's like for some people the dental dream comes true but for most it's like a very convoluted dream that's not as like simple as graduate make big bucks help people live a good life like that takes a lot of time to get to that but, um, yeah, I mean, that was the first position and then like kind of going through then like another position I had, um, it got to a point or sorry, early on, right? Like I was, I was in those two offices part time. And then at this point I'm like six months out of school and I was just thinking like how, like I need to get in patients' mouths. Like I need to do dentistry because like at these two offices, like I wasn't really doing that much, um, because the schedules were slow. So I was like, I need to just, I need to find a place where I can just do dentistry. And I was desperate. And so at that point, that's where I joined a Medicaid office. And I was so desperate that I, we were living in Manhattan and I was licensed in Connecticut because I didn't do a GPR. So I couldn't practice in New York for, until I had two years of experience in a different state. And so I bought a car and I found a practice in New Haven, Connecticut, which is an hour and 40 minutes away from the city. And I drove to that practice four days a week uh, and I was doing like Medicaid dentistry. Um, <laughs> and that lasted like a year. Um, and then uh, I was doing that kind of like four days a week and then I was also trying to supplement that with some other private practices. And then I was doing those part-time. Um, and so that is, uh, that's, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that schedule was shaping out. And then I kind of racked up eight jobs because I was doing kind of this whole part-time, part-time thing. So I think this is like an important thing for anyone out there. I have listeners that are like both dentists, but then also, you know, we have like pharmacists, we have doctors, nurses. And I think the thing is that we all kind of don't realize the situation that you end up in when you graduate because they hand you a degree, right? You're the same old you, but then all of a sudden overnight, they kind of act like suddenly you should know everything when in reality, you like just start your new job. Clinically, you're at the lowest that you'll probably ever know, that you will ever know, period. Um, but then because of that, you know, there's a lot that factors into like, let's say something you can't control, like that office letting you go, right? it's really easy to like internalize that and ex and think like, okay, it must be because of me. It must be because of like my lack of skill or things like that. And I feel like that adds to things like burnout and imposter syndrome. Um, did you experience that while you were, you know, like bouncing between, I know it was a conscious choice to supplement to part-time, but what were some of those 
things that you were telling yourself in the beginning. Yeah, I think I just kept like feeling like, like when am I going to be able to just be at a place like and be stable? Mm -hmm. Like why does this keep? It was yeah, it was a lot of why does this keep happening? And it was almost like this thing, like it was like a right when things get good at that three, four month mark, it'd be like, oh, something mm. out of the blue would just come up and I would just be let go or something like that would happen. So it was like, I'm a very like, I'm an optimist. So like I was never trying, I was never like letting this stuff like bring me down. But yeah, there was mm. definitely times where I was just like, okay, what? what can I do better? What should I be doing differently? Like I, and, and so I think as like a, you know, the part the people pleasing part of myself was like, cool, let me just give more. Like, let me give more of my mm. time. Let me bend to do whatever the owner says. Let me like cater to the staff and let me like be like as open and like, you know, um, giving in that regard as possible. But then like, that builds terrible habits for the long term because then you like you lose your boundaries you start doing things like more than you actually should and you know mm. that and and that's what sucked also is like i didn't have anybody telling me like hey that's not how you're supposed to do it or even just being like someone to say hey you're fine Avi. like you are doing fine um you just these are not the places for you like mm -hmm. just, you know what i mean because like Back then, like I was doing these commutes and I was listening to all the dental podcasts and like no one was getting real on the podcast back then like like this one does. Like no one was talking about this. They were talking about, oh, like dental materials and optimizing systems and this. And I'm just like, man, I can't even get a damn job. Like I don't care about what <laughs> materials like our, our freaking people are using. Like, like screw that. Like I'm just trying to like make a living. <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, do the thing that I'm, like, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt for to do. I feel like we're not really set up because – I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like it's it's tough because on one hand, you know, there's the aspect of professionalism on the internet. Your patient can Google you and learn everything about you, see what you're up to on the weekend. Like, that's a concept that's, like, kind of new with social media. And so – a transition that makes it tough for student creators, at least, is, like, I used to show, like, every aspect of my life. But now I feel like there's certain things that I got to refrain from if my patient on Monday morning, no, my, you know, wants to see me. My advice is don't. Reason being is because that is that is the old stigma. That is the stigma right. uh, that people will then associate. Like, I'm not, like, yes, being a dentist and all that, like, there is definitely a level of prestige that comes with it in society. Yeah. But if you attach your self-worth to that, it mm. is not going to look good for you long-term because now you are identifying with something like that's like being a dentist is like, it's a skill that you learn and it's time that you put in to get that degree. You are still a person, right? Mm. And your patients, and I, and I remember I saw your story where you had a day where like a patient came in, they're like, oh yeah, we saw you and like, we, we love what you're doing. Like you seem really cool and approachable. Like that's what people want. Like you want to break stigmas and cycles about the dentist being a horrible place to go that people hate. Then like you have yeah. to humanize yourself. And the way to humanize yourself is to share and right, create content and like, you know, do do what a lot of like I think younger like dental students like I love the fact that there are so many um younger creators like all these day mm. in the life of dental school and all that I didn't have any of that like I I didn't I'm not that much older like I just graduated in 2018 but like I went through dental school 2014 to 2018 
And like, yeah, it would have been really cool to see like a dental student like being vulnerable, talking about their days. Hey, I'm studying X, Y, Z. Like this is lab. This is my commute. This is what I eat. Like it just would have been like a really nice way to kind of see into that. So yeah. you take that from the patient perspective to what you're saying. And it's like, don't feel like you need to wall up and act like something that you're not like you, you're you. So it's like, mm -hmm. whether you, the, some of the stuff you do, and I'm not saying like go post like absurd, crazy, like, yes, you do need to have like, <laughs> like just like some still, form like, of decorum. <laughs> yeah. Like just kind of like be like, be like, um, like post stuff that's like relative, like just like, like, uh, what am I looking for? Acceptable. Like, right. Like mm. it's cool. Like if you walk around the house and your PJs on the weekend, like, you know, mm. and you don't shower till like five, like whatever, like that's, that's like my thing. Like me and my wife make jokes. We're just like, Oh, it's Saturday. Like we're not showering till like the evening. today. <laughs> and then my family's like, that's what funny. is wrong with you guys? And it, I think it's like, <laughs> I think for us, it's like, we're very like regimented, very like, routine mm. goal-oriented people for me saturday is like a free day and for and i and like my favorite part of every day is the morning and especially mm. like weekend mornings because it's like the most liberating thing like and so i think the shower is this subconscious like transition from cool uh, morning is over now it's time to start the day and i'm just like i don't want to start real life <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're like, and real life doesn't count on Saturdays, so that's Correct. the thing. Correct, so I'm like, but, we don't need know, to do this. <laughs> I think, well, so for everyone listening, just know Avi smells on Saturday. But anyways, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but the thing that I think we're touching on is really important is that I think it's, like, normal to feel that resistance of being, like, because already, you know, there's that imposter syndrome in you. There's that, like, oh, I feel like I have to be something else other than I already am. And what Avi's saying is so powerful because it's kind of like, no, the that's really what makes you special and like you just have to find a way I think to kind of channel that in a way that's authentic but then also you know like we said within some realm of reason um but there's going to be that discomfort and I think that also brings up an important message though when we feel discomfort it's probably human nature to want to run from it feels unfamiliar feels uncomfortable this is a new venture for a lot of people out there whether it's content creators that just graduated from school whether it's the, you know anyone even if you're not just someone that graduated from school right there's going to be that discomfort, but what Avi's touching on is what it sounds like is that we have to lean into that and like kind of embrace that as like the way out because you're never really going to change the world. You're never going to make your own path if you keep trying to bend and break to like what others are saying, kind of like what you were saying on your journey with those uh, different different work situations, right? 100%. But before we, before we get into that, I have to correct you. So the right way to pronounce my name is actually Avi. Oh, am I saying Avi? Yeah, that's something that I've been like, I used to never correct anybody, but lately in therapy, I've been working on it's like my new thing is like trying to like, oh, that's so important, though. Yeah, no, like you got to correct that. <laughs> Everybody says it, but it's like the deep. it's like, I've, oh, I've just always not corrected people. It's like, yeah, it's a whole thing. But that's like so important, though, because I feel like for me, I mean, like mine isn't really that close, but like, like my last name is technically Wong, but I I Wang. think of myself as yeah yeah like Wang. So that's like kind of something that I've been like not really thinking about. But I'm like, maybe I feel like you have like two different personalities, like Connie Wong versus yeah. Connie Wang. Connie, well, you have like Indian parents, right? Like fully yeah. Indian, like grew up like Indian American, right? That's something too that's like kind of interesting is because you kind of grow up always feeling like you don't fully fit in anywhere because you're. Mm. I'm like I'm not really like Chinese enough, but I'm also not really like 
I'm not the same as all my Americanized, like, t- like white friends, you know? Yep. That's, yeah. I used to have, like, you know, and I didn't realize it back then, but now I reflect it's like there was, like, white version of Avi and then Indian yeah, version yeah. of Avi. And it's like, one day I remember when I was younger, like, I answered the phone and I was, and then, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Avi. And then, and then my dad, like, looked at me after. He's like, he's like, who's Avi? And then I was just like, <laughs> oh, that's just like, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, that's not your name. And I'm like, oh, that's what people call me. And he's just like, but that's not your name. And then it's just like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've tried to correct them and they, they don't get it right like the third time. So I feel awkward and I just like accept it. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're, and, and like when you're a kid too, like you don't really want to stand out. So you're like, no dad, I'm not going to correct them. And then now you're like, oh wait, I should. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, one thing I wanted to hear about was like, so you mentioned like the benefits of working in multiple positions. You got to see a lot. I think mm. that's such a benefit. You have so much more insight because you fit in like many, many years of experience in your first two years. Share with some people out there that may be looking for their first jobs. Like what are red flags and things that you've learned to avoid? Yeah, I think red flags. Um, I, have a, I have a whole YouTube video on this. It's like five red flags for a young dentist. Um, but one of them is like, if the dentist that you are interviewing for the position cannot articulate exactly what they're expecting of you and what they like, if they can't articulate their problem and how you are a Mm. solution to the problem, that's a red flag. Like if they're just like, yeah, we're so busy. We need another doctor. Like dive Mm. into that. How busy, how busy, how many, like how many patients you don't need to know like what is a number of patients that's like a lot versus a little just get the dentist to admit the number like like how many new patients like how many patients a day are you currently seeing how many do you expect me to see because once you have those numbers you can take them and then just like reach out to other people like you can ask me you can ask other dentists like is this a lot um and then you can kind of get a feel for it but the reason why it's a red flag is because if they can't articulate the expectations then you are probably walking into a place that doesn't really have a lot of intention because that just means the owner may be hiring off of a whim because they think they're busy because maybe they had a really busy two months of the year. Mm. But then when you get there, it slows down. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh wait, I actually don't have enough patience for you because I still want to treat patients. And like now, you know what I mean? So that's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like September is such a slow month, and it kind of sucks because, like, if you just graduated school, right, you work for a couple months, then September hits, and then that's when everyone's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, so what do we do all day? It's like, we just sit here. Yeah. It's like, cool. How do we make money? Like, oh, I got the base guarantee coming in, and they're just like, yeah, that goes yeah. away after three months, and it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, wow, so I'm making, like, nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, if I make nothing today and nothing tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, the paycheck comes on Friday, so uh, we're going to do stuff. No, these are all real issues. And, like, I think another red flag is also um, what is the situation that you're walking into? Is it, uh, like, are you replacing a dentist? Like, are you replacing an associate or are you the, like, are you going to be like an added doctor? Like, are they going from a one doctor practice to a two doctor? Reason why is, so if you're replacing a dentist, you need to know why that person left. And you need to know if you can, if you're allowed, like if you're able to just like get in contact with them, just ask them questions. Here's why this is a great thing to dive into. If you just ask, 
And they're like, oh yeah, they left because they had to move and like life happened. Cool. Do you mind if you just share me their contact info? I would love to just ask them some questions about the practice. If they have nothing to hide, they'll give you the contact. It's happened because it happened to me. If there was an alternative reason, they're going to get sketchy and shady about that. Mm. Like, oh no, like they don't, we don't really talk or whatever. They'll come up with some BS. That's a red flag. You should be able to talk to the dentist who you're replacing because they're going to give you, sure, they might, there's going to be a little bit of bias, but like you're at least going to hear a different perspective because there's another thing like owners will tell you whatever they want to want. They will tell you whatever you want to hear to get you to take the job. They are actually Mm. more desperate to hire than you are to accept the position. Mm. And, you know, you bring up a powerful point, too. Like, these are all important things that, like, once you've worked many years, you can identify, like, okay, these are the things that make up the day-to-day of your job. When you're jumping in, now I look back on my interview with my boss, and when he asked me what I was looking for, I don't even think I knew what I was looking for, but I thought I knew. (laughs) Right. Well, but the dangerous thing, though, is that I thought that I knew. I was like, yeah, I want to do this. I like this. I'm good at that. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, how did he listen with a straight face? Because he knew I knew. I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, But I think that your story is really powerful because the thing that changed for you, if I'm understanding, is once you started to focus more on the things that you really liked, which was clear Mm -hmm. aligners. Tell us a bit about how you kind of like fell into that and then how you, how that really like changed the trajectory. Yeah, no, I mean, simply put, aligners like literally changed my career and my life in that regard. Um, For me, I got to that point because I actually like got very close to hitting like rock bottom. Like I was burning Mm -hmm. out on general dentistry. Like every, I kind of look at like my career in chapters. So like the first chapter Mm -hmm. of my career is like, I just want to work on patients. Like I want to get good at fillings. I want to get good at extractions, right? And then it was like, cool, now I want to like, try root canals. And then I want to also like get good at crowns and then mm. cool. I'm good at, I'm like comfortable with those. Cause this way it was like, I could at least try it out, give it genuine effort. And then I know, Hey, I'm not good at this, but I'm interested. So I want to learn more about it. Or I, you know, I try it. And I'm like, I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I don't want to do it. So it's like, that's how you mm-hmm. kind of can move through that. Right. And, and, and that's why I say like, try everything, but then continue to do the things that like bring you joy or challenge you in a positive way, because that's how you're going to continue to find spark and passion in what you do. Cause it's a craft. And so you're going to continuously try to like get better at the craft. Um, but the only mm-hmm. way you're going to know is if you try. So fast forward, uh, I'm coming up on year two of just practicing as a dentist, I'm burning out on bread and butter dentistry. I was like, there needs, there has to be more to this profession. Like this is not, mm. this is not that fun. Um, it's not that fun anymore. Um, because yeah. And then, so pandemic hits, everyone shut down and now I'm like, all right, I got to do something. Like if I don't do anything right now, I am going to be in trouble. So what I did is I was like, I need to like learn new procedures So I took an implant CE course and then I also was like already, I was already certified for Invisalign, but I had no idea how to do it because NYU, like they just like give you the certification. Like you don't really know what to do. So I was like, all right, let me just like go through. Well, I don't think even as a student, when you get certifications, I don't think you even have the scope to understand what you're learning fully, you know? No. And they also, I remember some of the stuff they taught and it was like way overcomplicated. And so I was like kind of. I'm one of those people where I'm like, mm. if I can read through your BS and I can tell that you're overcomplicating this, I'm going to mm. lose interest because I, 
if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I dove into those, and then basically, um, I wanted to implement it at the practices that I was at, and then both of the owners were basically like, no. Um, one of them said no because they were like, oh, it's not a profitable procedure, and I was like, aren't clear liners supposed to be like? No? <laughs> the like, most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, isn't it like I'm confused? So. Anyways, then Meha and I and Simba ended up moving down to Austin, and that's where it was. I was working for a small DSO, and they were very open to me learning and growing and doing aligners, doing implants, all that. They were like, yeah, go for it. And so there was a webinar, like the first week that I joined, and Dr. Christina Blocker was hosting it, and she was, yeah, so she was basically just like teaching about aligners, and she's like, if you ever have any questions, email me. And so for like... I just like blew up her email with questions and cases and like I'm so grateful for her to have her as a friend and mentor now like because she just helped me get the confidence. I was like how can I do like what cases should I do? What cases should I not do? Like how can I do this so that way I don't hurt people? Um, like can you help me pretty much, right? And so once I did that, all of a sudden I am in this new practice. I am starting cases. I started like 50 in my first six months. So that is way more money than I've ever made as a dentist Mm -hmm. up to that point. And then I'm like, holy crap. And then I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't like that difficult. Um, And then once the procedures, like, and then obviously like I would always get nervous when the patients came in for checks because I'm like, "Uh, what do I like look for here? And then it's like, oh, the trays fit. Are the attachments on? Like, we're good. Cool. Like, eh. and you're just kind of like, you're just kind of navigating the waters. <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, I'll see you next time and see how it looks then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah, I think it's working. I'm like, yeah, me too. I think it's working too. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, why do you sound surprised? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Hey, this is, Hey, it's a great case. Like this looks, this is, we're going to get a good result here. And if not, we'll, you know, we'll do some extra, extra trays. And then, so, but then once I started finishing cases, is mm-hmm. when that whole concept of like fulfillment came out. I'm like, holy crap, like this is a transformation and I was able to be a part of this. And so that is what lit up. So like I always talk about like my three pillars that got me into dentistry, which was mm-hmm. having time, money, and fulfillment. And so like aligners filled those three buckets for me because I had more time as a dentist because I wasn't having to just like be swamped in the chair um, mm-hmm. all day. like you don't really have to cause like you sell in a liner case. That's like $5,000 in production. Like very, that's like a, that's like a, a dentist. Sometimes their entire day of production can just be like yeah. one case. And then like the labor with it is not much. You're just, your team is taking the pictures. They're doing the scan. You're setting up the case on, on the computer and then you hit accept. And then like the trays come and then it's like, you're basically just bonding composite and polishing. Like it's not physical labor. Third, uh, second bucket was money. It was a very profitable procedure. And then third was, like I said, the fulfillment. And so for that, I was like, yo, this is awesome. I felt like I, I felt like it probably, okay, not, this might be a little dramatic, but like whatever the gold rush happened back in the day and people found gold, this to me was it. I was like, this was like gold in dentistry. I was like, yo, this is sick. Like, why are more people doing this? And then the more that I like learned, it's like, oh, no one has any freaking idea how to do it because we weren't taught it. And then so you fast forward and then I started teaching other doctors how to do it. And then I started the consulting business, which then I started posting on social media. And then that was meant to promote the consulting business. And then I created Mm. a course and then like fast forward and now I'm done with 
I'm like retired from clinical dentistry and I'm going like full time in the online space. So it's, yeah, it all started from the, that procedure, which is crazy. It's kind of wild to hear you talk about the progression of the journey because it's not like you set out to be like, I'm going to make this consulting thing, blah, blah, blah. It's like you were literally just like, okay, how can I be better about this? And how can I like start this basically? Um, I think that's like the hesitation for a lot of people is like, it seems like so foreign and like unknown that they don't even want to touch. They're like, I'm just trying to work on my crown preps, period. Like, I don't even want to jump into this thing that I don't know anything about. And you're right. School doesn't really have the time or like the resource. For whatever reason, schools don't set us up to be successful in this area. You have the unique position where when you're consulting, you know, these docs that are starting this for the first time, you get to see that journey start over and over again. Right. So are there any like common blind spots that we all tend to have, like misconceptions that we all seem to have about starting to implement clear aligners in our industry or just starting anything? Yeah. So for aligners specifically, the biggest thing is Everyone is focusing on the wrong thing. Everyone is associating aligners with this like optional adjunct cosmetic procedure, right? Mm. And so what a lot of dentists will do is they'll be like, oh, I don't have a cosmetic practice. I have like a blue collar, you know, everyday type PPO insurance. Like my patients wouldn't want this. Like they're not, like I don't, I don't have that like elite aesthetic thing. And it's like, that's the number one red flag, like you don't need to have a cosmetic practice. Like aligners are meant to improve oral health. And like, mm-hmm. just as much as you would do a crown prep or a root canal or a filling when there's a cavity, you need to do aligners when there's, you know, malocclusions and misalign. It's part of dentistry. So it's like, that's the number one thing. Everyone is focused. And it's because of the marketing. Because in mm-hmm. dental school, they don't really teach us ortho. They don't. And so when we hear about aligners, you think Invisalign. And that's because Invisalign has pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into like the public marketing space to educate people on, you know, this smile and like all that. And so we are also people, right, outside of being dentists and like we consume that. And so we also think, so it's like when we're not getting information from like where we're supposed to, which is like dental school and educators and what we're consuming is also mainstream media, which are like Invisalign ads. Like they're all over on like fo- Sunday, like football Sundays. Like it's like, you're also thinking, Oh yeah. Oh wow. Beautiful smile. Bright smile. Like, okay, cool. Like, Oh yeah. That's not for me. Like I don't do that. Yeah. I just do, I do this stuff. So that is like the number one thing that keeps coming up. And when we break through that and like docs start shifting to oral health, it's just like, they get it. And then they're like, cool. And then now everything after that feels so much more natural because where you may not be comfortable talking about veneers and like going through that, you're very comfortable about telling patients they have a cavity and they need a filling. Right. Mm-hmm. And even when you're first starting out, I remember I was not comfortable telling, like I felt so guilty if patients had a cavity, I'd be like, listen, so, um, you see this, I don't want to uh, tell you. Here? Yeah. You see these like, there's like three different shades of gray, right. You know, like the dark one here, that's, that this one it's like it just crossed over and like that that's a cavity so we're gonna have to do a filling and then it's like mm. but you yeah, fast yeah. forward and it's like no this is this is a cavity and you need a filling well this is something that like i was literally talking with my boss about this yesterday was like this disconnect so when you're a new grad you feel a lot of feelings you're going through a lot of that imposter syndrome questioning you're like is this a cavity i don't know and then on top of that, then you have patients that are asking good questions. They're like, 
do I really need this? Like, how long will this last? And you're like, ooh. I know how to do it, but that whole prognosis question is also a little tough. And so sometimes sometimes it seems like what people want and we're people pleasers, right? What people want does not actually align in their best interest that you may know as someone with the expertise, with the background knowledge. So what we were talking about, for example, at work was like patient has a poor prognosis tooth. Um, Patient was like, can I save it? I want to save it with like a crown and endo. You want to be the good guy to be like, I can save it. I'm that hero doc. I'm here to save your day. I'm going to like take care of it. Right. But in my head, I'm like, "Mm, that's looking like an extraction implant recommendation. Right. Sometimes you can feel really pushy because the honest truth is that healthcare is in some senses, you know, it it really is a business. Right. So you feel kind of pushy because you're like, they want this, but like. I don't think they really want it right. And I think the bigger picture that I'm realizing as a new grad is what they want is not in their best interest. I don't know if you experienced this too. Oh, 100%. And it's funny that you bring up that example because in my opinion, that is the most like data, science, health-driven like reason where it's like, no, the extraction implant is going to be better short and long-term. Um, mm-hmm. whereas like you, people also, it's probably even more common where people see it's like, Oh, I just want whitening or I just want a basic mm. cleaning and they've got perio and all that. And it's like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> Best I can do. <laughs> so, that's, so I think what I started to do over time is I started to just lean into the fact that like, I am the treating professional and like, this comes mm. back on me and like, I'm not as much as I want to help you. I want to help you and it's my job. So like, even if you don't want it, like you just got to get comfortable with like, not everybody is going to be your cup of tea in that regard. Like not everybody is going to, because if they actually respect you and value your care, Mm. they will listen to you in that regard. And it's the ones who are trying to tell you how to do your job from the patient side. Maybe, you know, they're not a good fit and that's okay. Because somebody else will do it for them. And that'll be on them and that'll be like their headache because yeah if you try to restore a non-restorable tooth um that is a problem that you're gonna have to fix and guess what it's your fault in two years when that breaks because they're gonna even even if you told them this won't last they're gonna be like right. well, you're gonna feel so much worse than yeah. than now than telling them no now and if you're sitting in court let's, this is real dramatic if you're sitting in court you're gonna feel real stupid being like the patient told me they wanted it, so I did it. Like, what, like, what are you doing yeah. then? This reminds me of two. I don't know if you've listened to this podcast. Um, it's called The One Thing. One of the episodes was talking about how if you truly believe in the value of, like, the service that you're providing, then it's imperative that you be as persuasive as possible. I think when you hear the word persuasiveness, there's kind of, like, a negative connotation. It's easy to feel like, you know, like a car salesman or, like, you know, like someone's selling something when you hear the word persuasion. Cause in healthcare, we're like, Oh, it's not supposed to be a business. It's healthcare. We're supposed to like treat people and blah, blah, blah. It's all fluffy, but no healthcare is a business just like every other industry. But the difference is that for us, it benefits our patients. The more persuasive we are, you know, and the better we can articulate what they want. But I don't think school really sets you up to think about that in that business. I mean, you can only learn so much in school. Yeah, but I'm with you. I think also school should maybe start preparing you that, yo, this is a business. (laughs) Like you, you, you you signed up for a business. Like as much as you're going to be helping people, like this is a business. So like you need to start learning and understanding the power of persuasion. And I'm right there. 
like it's funny. So I've been seeing this. Well, I'm not seeing them anymore. But like I was having like GI issues and I couldn't like mm. I couldn't get to the bottom of it. Uh, I call her a witch doctor, but it's like one of those docs that like <laughs> do the muscle. Have you heard of muscle testing? Um, I haven't, but is uh, but I know there's like stuff like that. It's yeah. like it's like a whole in that realm. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I went off <laughs> a recommend. I call a witch doctor. Sorry if that offends anybody, but like honestly, you're pressing on my on my organs on my and like you're telling me to move my hand and like you're getting readings to affect them. Yeah, you're yeah, getting yeah. readings from my body. Like I'm sorry. That's like that's like witchcraft. Like, that's just. So, but anyways, it was helpful and I got good results, but like the, the, you know, the treating, like the treating professional, I think she's a doctor, some type, like some type of doctor, but she believed in this treatment so much Mm. that it made me be like, okay. And she knew what she was doing too, because she's like, oh, you're a dentist. So she's like, you probably uh, appreciate science and facts and stuff. So as she's telling me about these things, she's telling me the science behind it. So I believed Mm. it. And the next thing you know... I'm buying all these supplements from her to like, to like get all these like enzymes and stuff. And then my wife's like, why the fuck are you buying so many supplements? And then I was just like, oh, like it's supposed to help with the digestion and this and I need the organ support. And she's just like, I'm confused. She's just like, I thought you were because so basically I went to go see this. I went to go see them because I had cut out dairy out of my diet for like a year and a half and it was great. But then when I started to reintroduce mm. it, I was like having like issues, like, I mean, very, very smelly gas. Like worse than before? No, not worse than before, because I think my body okay. was so inflamed before um, mm. that like it was just kind of get like it was just used to it. But then all that inflammation went away. I lost a bunch of weight. I was in great shape, but then it was like I couldn't have any dairy. And so we were going to Italy like in a, oh, in like yeah. eight months and so Neha was like yo we're going to Italy in eight months like, you better be able to eat cheese because like I'm sorry like we're not there's no vegan options in Italy and I was like yeah I was like yeah true I do want to be able to like have dairy when we're there so I was like cool let me start it but then as I was reintroducing it I was like yeah I was getting gassy and all that and like it was just like I need to get this sorted and then it turns out I just needed some enzymes to help break it down like that's it because I'm not wait lacking. so this helped it helped. Everything she said helped. 100%. It 100% helped. That's wild. It's crazy. That's what, but that's it was what got her conviction. That's what got me to believe even more. Because I was like, wait a minute. She believes in this. It works. Like a little bit, right? It's just like a little bit work. Because at first it was like, uh, um, she gave me something to help with like bowel movements. She's like, oh, you need, we need to flush out the, the, the toxins in your body. And I was just like, I'm like going like pretty regularly. She's like, but you know, apparently you need to be going like, multiple times a day i was like yeah i'm not doing that she's like fascinating yeah okay so she gave me this thing called a bowel mover it's like roots and like other stuff in a pill form it's like very natural but it helps with peristalsis so it's just helping Mm. things just just helping that just move and what do you know the gas goes away like within like a week and i was like whoa like this is crazy and it was all like natural so i was like even more bought into it um but this goes Mm. back right so it's like it all started because she believed, she persuaded me, and then she did something for me that got me results, and then now I bought in, and that trust was there. The trust was there to the mm. point where I was buying stuff that I don't even think I needed. She wanted to start doing like, like toxic, like uh, you know, metal, like toxic metal removal. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. And I was like, I don't think I don't want to do all that, but like, and then I was like, yeah, can we like slow it down? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we can, we can do that. I'm like, all right, cool. 
That's so funny though. She says jump, you say how high though. That's like where she got you. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. Well, I think that's like really powerful. I think she must have also, it sounds like from what you're saying, like you've had this like ongoing problem that's really distressing. So do some of our patients. But she also probably like really listened to what you were saying. And I think a lot of times like when we we're first starting out, or I don't know, I know a lot of old school docs like this too. You go in the room and you have a plan and we like to stick to plans, right? We don't like to veer off them. We like scripts too. And the thing is, there's a person on the other side of that that says their piece. And I think, like, sometimes people, providers, aren't the best at listening to that other side. Like, the way that your practitioner might have. I, I agree. And I think that's the thing. is like you, and in today's day and age, like, it's tough to do that as a dentist, especially depending on what type of model you're in. Like, if you're in a insurance-based practice that's, like, high volume, like, and you're seeing a lot of patients, like, you don't have, unfortunately, you don't have the time to be as present. And, like... While I don't like giving, like, I don't like excuses. I like people to, like, kind of be, like, solutions-oriented. And so it's, like, my mm -hmm. advice to younger clinicians out there, regardless of what field you're in, is, like, try to get better at being present during the day because mm. it goes a very, very long way with patients, right? Because if even if you're only in the room for three minutes, if you can just be mm. present for three minutes with that patient, you will get more out of that than if you're just like already thinking about the next, like the next hygiene check or the, you know, the patient that you got numbed up. Like it's just practice being present because then when you do get more time, you will be even mm. better. It's those like underrated things that like no one really like talks about that actually like make the biggest difference for you. And like that will show up. Like, people like to focus like, you know, production, number, procedure, yeah. but that will show up. If your patient feels like you listen to them for three minutes, that will show up in those numbers. And a big tip too is like try to say the patient's name like at least three times when you are interacting mm. with them. Because that's a good one. When somebody hears their name, and I know we were talking about names earlier, but like when someone hears and their say it name, right. they're automatically <laughs> like more they're automatically more like there's a connection being formed, right? People love to hear, yeah. right? They love to hear their name. They love to hear their name yeah. when it's pronounced correctly. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I was going to say, I'm like, have I said Avi recently? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. So, but this is actually, actually why I kind of sucked at this early in my career. Cause I was like terrified of screwing up someone's name to where I didn't even try to say their name. I would just avoid yeah. it, right? And it's like, Yeah, that's so true. And you say it fast too, or if, you, if you're not sure, you know? Correct. And it's like, yo, just like say it and be like, maybe even check. Like if you're concerned, like just be like, did I pronounce that correctly? And it's like, that's something that I've noticed that people have done to me. And it's so like mm. disarming and it's so welcoming where I'm actually, where I, it gives me the opening where I'm like, actually, no, this is how you say it. And now it's like, oh, cool. This is a safe space. So yeah, yeah. The, the name thing. Try to say it three times when you walk in the room, in the middle of your conversation, and then when you say bye, like try to say like bye, Connie. Yeah, that's powerful. Also, I'm dead. The way that I legit was gonna start this call, being like, "Is it pronounced Avi or Avi?" And then I was like, "No, no, no! I don't want him to think I'm stupid. I'll just go with the one." And oh I was my like, god, oh, one. crazy! That's, but that's just funny that you mentioned that because I'm like, "Huh, I'm gonna keep this in my mind." Yeah. Have you, um, have you speaking about names and stuff? Have you heard? My guest last week, Dr. Ashley Hovez, do you know her from uh, The Making Of? I've, I've seen some of her stuff, yeah, but I've never, like, I've never got a chance to meet her. So she's fantastic. She dropped this bomb on how they did a study, like a doctor meeting a patient or whatever, um, and they found that there was like two rooms, one where the doctor was like talking how they think they should, and then one where the doctor like just let the patient talk the whole time. 
And what happened was the patient walked out being like, I love that doctor every time that they just let them speak. And that doctor didn't say one thing that could have influenced if they liked them or not. Like they really didn't know the doctor. But the fact that the doctor like let them have that time to speak, the patient walked out thinking, I love that doctor. That's a great guy. Nice guy. Wow. Yeah. So that is like the whole thing of where like some of the doctors, like you're, you're also like therapists, right? To a certain mm-hmm. degree, like mm-hmm. you have like... And now you take it to dentistry. It's like you're these people have freaking trauma. Like most of your patients yeah. have trauma, and they're in your chair. And like if you don't let them talk uh, or even share it, and that's where sometimes as a therapist you have to do some digging, right? It's like, hey, are you okay mm. with the anesthesia? Have you had an experience? And that's when they're like, yeah, like yeah, I'm kind of like afraid of needles. It's like cool. Like what happened? Like what mm. what was it? And just doing that, I've noticed. Those are some of the strongest connections I had with patients because then I was able to kind of like be like, oh, well, don't worry. You're in great hands. I it's just, I'll, I'll just like say something like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm known to give like the least painful injections. They'll be like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, that's just like what I'm known for. And then they'll just like, you know, they just kind of laugh and they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, I got some special tricks. Don't worry. Like, you're going to be fine. So now they're like, okay. And then they do it. And then afterwards, I'm like, did that hurt? And they're like, oh, not really. And I'm like, okay, there you go. So giving an injection is painful, period. Like it's just, but you have to like, people's threshold is what you have to play with. So if they're coming in with anxiety and you, and they're going to make, they're going to, in their mind, it's going to be worse than it actually is. So that way when it happens, it just like, like confirms the fact that it is so bad. But if you as the practitioner are able to like, kind of like drop that and be like, yo, it's not going to be that bad. This is why. And you connect with them and you get them just for a split second to like believe you and then you do it. And then they're yeah. like, oh, wait, that actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. It sounds like there's that kind of like magic. You can create those like pockets of vulnerability is what it, it sounds like you're saying. Like like those pockets of vulnerability it doesn't have to be a whole ass like long therapy session. No. Those pockets where they reveal things to yourself, like use those to your favor to get them to trust you and to build that relationship over time. Yep, exactly. So I think one thing for a lot of the new grads out there listening, you know, they can hear your advice, right? They're like, wow, this inspires me. This excites me. Um, And we all hear things too, like, you know, you have to be patient with yourself because you're beginning, right? You have to be patient with yourself. It's one thing to hear it though. It's another thing to actually believe it because still in the moment when like that crown doesn't see when that, when that you see that post-op class two radiograph, and you're like, oh, you know, that, that doesn't feel great, right? How did you, like, show yourself that patience and compassion in the beginning? Because I think that's what a lot of us lack, too, is being so hard on ourselves, even when we know we shouldn't in the beginning. Yeah, um, I, think, I think what it was is, like, I would, I w- I would always ask myself, like, did you, did you try your best? Like, mm-hmm. was this your best showing? And then I would just, right, like you see that x-ray and it's like, damn, like, okay, that class two feeling doesn't look that great. Like, then I'll try to take myself back to it. And it's like, what was going on? And it's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, that freaking tongue wouldn't stop coming in the way. I tried to move it. And like, you know, there was, there was a bunch of, like, that was tough. And it's like, okay, cool. Um, You know, the next time that you get in there and do something, like just try to be better about isolation or try to be better Mm -hmm. about communicating to the assistant to retract that and like maybe go a little slower if you need to and you know what I mean and I think you give yourself these mini coaching sessions and take that Mm. thing that maybe wasn't as good 
And then that helps you analyze, reflect, and then move forward. Because then now all of a sudden I'm not dwelling in how shitty that feeling ended up being. I'm kind of like, cool. Mm. Wasn't my best showing. Still okay. Like it is, you know, dentistry's favorite word, which is like competent. Like you know, yeah. everything's like, it's like oh, <laughs> clinically you're... acceptable. Yeah. And my funny story about competency, we'll get to like, yes, quick sidetrack. Like going through dental school, <laughs> Neha was like, because she's in finance. And so she was just like, I don't understand. She's like, you're just training to be competent. And I'm like, yeah, it's a competence. She's like, but don't you want to be like really good? And I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, it's just, it's like a competency and it's like, it's, a, it's like pass fail. And she's like, but that means like you could like not be that good and you're all going to like get the degree. And I'm like, yeah, that's the profession, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what Jimmy, my, my fiance is going to listen to this and laugh because literally I'd be like, I'm so stressed. All I want to do is pass. And he's like, and you don't, there's people that don't. I'm like, no, like everyone fails this one. He's like, so there's dentists out there right now that just, you just fail. And I'm like, yeah, you just, but then you get through it. And he was like, cool, cool. I'll think about that the next time I'm like at the dentist. <laughs> that's, and that's the thing, right? It's, it's like, and the bar is, not, it's not even like this bar is so high, right? It's like the no, bar it's not, is yeah. very low and it's like, I just want to pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Well, but also I think that's why it's tough though is because we were saying how like, oh, they don't teach aligners right in school, blah, blah, blah. And because when you're in that mindset, you're like fight or flight, just get through, give me my degree. And so like, I'm going to be honest, you're kind of like, all right, what lectures do I have to listen to to get this grade? Like when you're in that zone, most people listening in school are like, yeah, I'm just trying to do what I can to get through. (laughs) Correct. Yeah, I totally get that. And then it's like when you come out, what we talked about, they're still recovering from that right um but that's why i think like it's even it's like very important and i think for younger dentists too is to like try to pick something that you can like grow with right and try to see how you can differentiate yourself and that doesn't mean Mm. like go to cosmetics like again this is coming from experience and just seeing like the landscape of the field but like if you're a younger doc and you learn how to do aligners the reality is, is most doctors out there, young, middle, old, like they don't really know how to do it. And it's like, it's literally the fastest growing procedure. And so if you can do like even the simplest cases, even the simplest ones, the most basic ones, if you can just do that, you have now put yourself in a category where you become to some degree like undis- like indispensable. Now you add value. Mm-hmm. Now you know, the owner that you work for, they don't do aligners, but you do. So now they're probably going to think twice before like letting you go. And they're going to, I think you get treated a little bit differently too. Cause now you're like, you're, you know what I mean? Like you're someone that they want to feed and like actually help because you're helping them grow their business as well. And I just think that is right. like a very unique way to help differentiate yourself. Like, and again, you can do veneers, you can do the implants, but like, that's what a lot of these older docs want to do. They want to do the veneers and implants because they waited their whole career to like learn all that and do it. Cool. Let Mm. them have that. You just start doing some aligners and just start like, it's, it's like kind of funny because it plays into like the younger generation's like style of living where like, we're, you know, whatever, like, Uh, like, (laughs) lazy. It's like, no, we're not lazy. We're just smart with our, 
freaking time. Like we're just like yeah, right. And like aligners just like fits that like to a T. It's just it's so funny. You know, I feel like when I think about someone that like wants to start their aligner journey, right? This brings up the point that I think it's important sometimes to just start before you're ready. Like you're never gonna feel fully ready. You just have to like make that leap of faith, trust that you can figure it out. I know like science, we're science people, we're dentists, we like to have things prepared in a certain way. But there are certain things that you just can't learn without jumping in and learning from that experience too. So what um, what tips would you give for someone? Let's say like your top three tips. For someone that wants to start, create an idea, like change their space, but they just don't know like where to start. Yeah, I think so. If, if it's someone wanting to start aligners, I mean, I would, I've made like a couple different like free resources. I would say just jump, like go there, right? Like consume free information. Um, and then like even follow me on Instagram, like there's like, there's always tips. I actually just started like a new page that's strictly aligner content. It's called clear aligner advisor. Um, and I kind of like post about it on my page, but just start consuming this content. So you get an idea. And then I would say, you know, if you're going to like kind of save up and then invest in like a program that is going to help kind of like get you going and and support you. Right. Because if you don't, Mm -hmm. that, that should at least give you enough to have a, a feeling of support to be able to kind of push you to take that next step. And then you just mm-hmm. have to literally take action and do it, right? So that's with aligners. With something that's not related to aligners and just anything, anything that's new, like you can read articles, read blogs, watch videos, like talk to people, talk in theory, talk clinical, like you can do all that. But like until you actually start doing something, you will never learn. Like if you like to learn, the fastest way to learn is to do. Because when you do, all of a sudden problems come up. Now you have quite, because this is something huge that I realized with docs that were in my program. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand how much or how little they knew. But the longer this has gone Mm -hmm. on, I'm realizing like, oh, they don't know anything. Like they, they don't know. So you uh, don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Correct. You don't know what you don't know. They didn't know anything. And I was like, oh, because some of the questions I was getting and I'm like, oh shit, like they're asking this. I was like, they're like, they're only asking this. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this was going to be a little bit deeper, but, but, but then it made me realize, <laughs> it made me realize I was like, oh, like, you know, and it took a while for the questions to roll in. Like nobody watches mm. the videos in the program and then starts firing off questions. Like it's a three to six month lag until people start asking questions. And I'm like, Oh, it's probably because it took them a little bit to start taking action and they had enough information to support them in the beginning. And then when things were like, you know, maybe didn't go as planned or or troubleshooting, that is when the stuff actually came. And that's because that's how they're now learning. Like you can only right? like you're never going to have like an all in one comprehensive, every single situation scenario type program. That's just not how it works. We work on human beings. There's always going to be variables. And like, I think that is what you just have to trust that like, you're never actually going to know everything. So if you're never going to know everything, stop waiting to know everything before you do just like, just start doing it. So let's say someone wants to like start their own consulting company or something like that. What were the steps that you took for that? Because I imagine there must've been some intimidation being like, I'm not like a business guy, you know, but you've created this business and now this is your full-time job. So I would say, um, and it doesn't even have to be consulting necessary. I actually, 
I think a really good business model to go into is this like online course, online program type of um, type of business because it goes hand in hand with like content creation. Um, but what I would say is like take something that like you struggled with or that was challenging, uh, whether it was related to your, your your field like dentistry or you know any healthcare like grad school whatever like. Or it could even be personal, like something else that you that you dealt with, but like a challenge that you then overcame based off of that, like, can you ask yourself like, okay, could I teach somebody how to like either avoid that problem altogether or how to overcome it, right? Mm. And so for me, I did it because I was like, cool, my challenge was like learning how to start doing aligners. Um, mm. And also like, there should be like a, a sense of like passion, like you should actually be excited to talk about it because for me the the signal was like i was like talking to different, I mean, anybody that had a question i was like answering it and talking and i was like on the phone and then that's when my wife was like are you gonna like she's like you're just like are you gonna charge people for this and i was like <laughs> yeah no, why would i charge i'm just like giving advice she's like you're consulting she's like that's like that's what consulting is and i was like oh she's like you can because her she was just like you're taking away time from like date night to give this person free yeah. advice and you're like teaching you how to do this on the phone she's like you need to like actually like <laughs> make a business out of this I'm like, okay um so yeah so i had no idea what consulting even was right but uh yeah for people who are looking to do it like take something like that that lights you up that you love talking about um and and, and are very like attached to in that regard and then um, the first step is like, you could, you could help people for free, right? Like get like a one-on-one -on -one with somebody and then just kind of like help them through things. Cause then what that does is that helps you build out, um, like a curriculum, right? Cause now you're mm. like, cool, how do I take this person from where they're at to where we want to get them? And so now you can do all that. You'll have your documents that you kind of put together and then they'll get results. And now that's a testimonial that you can use in the future. Mm. Um, and then, you know, that is like one vertical. The second vertical would be like, you can start posting about this thing on social media and like offer free tips, free advice, share stories about like, you know, when I was struggling with this, this is how I felt. I did these things to overcome them. And now I am feeling like this. Right. And that's like your, mm. your classic, like, uh, hero journey of a story but like that is very engaging and people want people resonate with that now mm. that's basically like your marketing pillar so you'll you're right here which is your product or your program that is going to be pretty much the thing that is going to like generate you the most amount of money and then your marketing platform which is social media can help bring people to then come into this vertical which is where your program is and that Mm. that in itself is a very small like unit but that is essentially how like businesses work right businesses have products that solve problems for people and then they market that product and they market right the the solutions to people's problems and the answer is like that product or program I feel like we should be charging for that answer alone. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was so helpful for anyone out there listening. Um, and I mean, you just you just really inspire people too, though, because I feel like a lot of times we look at our pain points as our flaws, right? It's like, oh, I don't know where to start. This is my problem. Mm. This is my flaw. But it's actually your power. Like I heard a quote: "How you are best equipped to help someone out there that like went through what that went through what you're going through, or is your, going your through best what you went through." I know the quote. Your best position to serve the person you once were. 
Yes. Okay. That's way better. I'm like, I'm not, that's, that quote's not right. That's the quote. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's so powerful. So for anyone out there listening, you know, like keep that in mind, keep all these words in mind. Well, he didn't make up that quote, but we can pretend you did too. <laughs> I love that quote. Avi, if you could share with everyone where they can find you, your name, your email, all that good stuff. Yeah, so easiest way is Instagram, and my handle is at uh, dr.avi, and doctor is spelled out. Um, email is, uh, well, actually, just Instagram is probably the easiest, honestly. <laughs> uh, I have a YouTube channel as well. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, YouTube channel as well, and it goes over a lot of the stuff that we talked about. Like, I've made full-blown like eight-minute videos on uh just like early associateship challenges there's a bunch of aligner stuff on there too so um the channel is also called dr avi awesome thank you so much editing connie here for some reason i didn't record an outro fully so if you guys like what you heard please leave a rating and review on apple Podcasts or spotify other than that thank you so much for checking us out and we'll see you guys next time bye